Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Vreeland, joined as always by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. UFC 242 is right around the corner. We're going to be seeing it this Saturday live from Abu Dhabi, and we have all of the goods for you. That's right, we'll be talking with two of the fighters on the card. We'll be talking to Zach Cummins and Carlos Diego Fajeda, who both have big matchups coming up that could land them ranked in their division. So you're going to want to hear what they say about those fights. Plus, me and Shockwave Dave will be breaking down UFC 242's five best fights. That's right, we'll be talking about five of our favorite fights, as well as some of the betting odds as well. We'll be talking about some of our favorite underdog picks on there. So you're going to want to tune in for all of that great content. But before you do that, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by a great new sponsor of ours. I'm talking about Rampage Coffee. Rampage Coffee has super fresh roast-to-order coffee. That's right. They roast your stuff to order. And let me tell you something. If you want to step up your coffee game, you want to taste coffee that is absolutely positively delicious, you need your coffee to be fresh. That's the best way to step up your coffee game. And let me tell you something. You're not going to get any more fresh than Rampage Coffee. And you can go to RampageCoffee.com right now, and you can use promo code TURTLE20. That's right, TURTLE20, and get 20% off your whole coffee order. And if you're going to do that, let me give you a couple of suggestions. Because my suggestion for you, especially if you're the type of person who likes to do jujitsu like me, maybe you need a little bit of boost of caffeine to get you to go off the couch and to the mats. Check out their C4 brand. Their C4 brand has four times the caffeine of a regular cup of coffee. And let me tell you something. I put a little bit in my coffee maker, throw it in a mug, head to the gym. And, and let me tell you something. I've got way more energy than I would if I was chugging an energy drink or some, some other crap. You want to make sure that you're tasting stuff that's great, getting the energy you need. And, and hey, maybe if the caffeine thing isn't your thing, they've also got a delicious medium and dark roast. You should check them all out with their sampler bundle. All of those are potential options when you check them out at RampageCoffee.com, which I heavily suggest you do. Rampage Coffee brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Zach Cummings, who fights Omari Akhmedov at UFC 242 in Abu Dhabi. So, Zach, you're looking for your third straight win since moving up to middleweight. It, it seems like a trend for a lot of people to move up in weight and to feel much better. W- what's sort of been the biggest difference for you since stepping up a weight class? Uh, biggest thing for me was I was absolutely killing myself trying to get down to 170. I mean, like, I, I, I wish I was joking when I'd say I was fearing for my life <laughs> getting down to that weight class, but... Uh, it, it was it was a real thing. I mean, I had a couple of pretty uh, some, some bad weight cuts. I had some really close calls uh, on some stuff. So um, basically, just sick of that, you know. Plus a uh, conversation with uh, with Mark Natoy at Factor X, you know, my head coach. Uh, we decided to to go up, and it's definitely uh, helped me a ton. I mean, mainly just the uh, the recovery. I'm, it, it's it's pretty much fully me in there when I'm fighting. And when I was down at welterweight, I mean, you know, I just wasn't quite uh, like my weight came back and, you know, I felt okay. But like when it really came down to it, just I, I wasn't all the way there. I wasn't fully recovered and fully hydrated and ready to go. So I was always kind of holding back a little bit. I was just kind of afraid to, to let myself go uh, in case, you know, the body starts shut down or gassing out or whatever it was. So I always kind of had that 
that little hindrance on me at uh, at Walter weight. So at middleweight, like it's not really there. I feel good. I still have to cut weight, but it's uh you know it's a much easier cut, and the uh, the hydration and everything, the recovery is uh, is on point. I feel great when I'm in there fighting, and uh yeah, I mean it's uh, that's that's mainly that's mainly it. I feel like I have my legs under me. I have uh you know all my energy and everything. So uh, it's it's been working out so well so far. And obviously, you know, the, the big sacrifice is that, you know, you're not the biggest guy in the weight class anymore or close to it. Do you feel a, a size disparity moving up to, to middleweight? Because, you, like you said, you already were a big welterweight. No, no, I, I don't. I uh, I mean, I've never really even, I don't know, like before when I, I mean, I fought 85 most of my career before I got in the UFC. I never really felt like I was ever out, out outpowered, out outmanned. I guess even when I fight at two hundred five, I've I've been able to hold my own. So it's the the size isn't that big of a deal. Um, it was the thing that really I think beat me and, and got to me was uh, with speed. You know, it was uh, I was bigger than a lot of these welterweights. It was some of the guys that were a little bit you know a lot faster. The the ones that were able to to get in and get out and stuff and stay away from my power uh, and just kind of score points on me were the ones that were winning the fights. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think and now I feel like I've got the speed on my side for uh, at, at middleweight. Uh, so, and I, you know, I've got some horsepower behind me. I've got some power behind my punches still. Uh, so, yeah, the, the size isn't that big of a deal. It was always the speed, I think, that was giving me an issue. Makes sense to me. Now, I have to ask, too, do you wish that you did this earlier in your career? You're 8-3 you're and three in the UFC, which is damn impressive as it is, but do you think that maybe you could have made a, a bigger run or an earlier run if you made this change early? Ah, I, who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe not. You never know. I, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I don't ever really want to uh, make regrets and stuff like that. So, I mean... Uh, I feel like everything's working out how it's supposed to, you know, I, I got some really good experience and everything was, uh, was good at, at 170. And then, you know, so now we're trying to make this last little run and see how things go at, at middleweight. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, who knows, maybe something could have been different. Uh, what if I never went to welterweight? What if there's a lot of what is, but, uh, but you know, we're here now and I feel good. So, um, I'm pretty happy with the decision we made. So let, let's talk about the here and now. You're, you're fighting in Abu Dhabi, which is, you know, they've only gone there three times in the history of the UFC. What were your initial thoughts when they proposed a fight in Abu Dhabi to you? Uh, I, was, I was all in. I mean, I love I love traveling. I love being uh, around different cultures and, and uh, get to experience everything and, and have this sport bring me to that, that level. So uh, we were joking around about it. I mean, I, I always feel like they throw, you know, send me all over the world anyway. So... I, uh, I, I wasn't planning on it, but we were joking around like, well, you know, watch me, watch me get called for this card. And <laughs> sure enough, like a couple of days later, they, they hit me up for a, for a fight in Abu Dhabi. So I, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I embrace it. I absolutely love traveling. I love visiting, uh, different, different cultures and stuff. So it's just, uh, just another opportunity to, to go to another part of the world and put on a show and gain some fans and do what I do. Absolutely. Now, the, this is going to be the first fight in an arena specifically designed for MMA and, and for the UFC, actually. How have you feel about that, and have you seen any pictures of the arena? Uh, I just kind of heard that they're building it. I don't really know exactly what it looks like or what goes on. I haven't, uh, haven't really found too much on it. I mean, I, I, mean, I really haven't been looking too much. But, uh, uh, I, I mean, it's crazy. It, it's 
it's just an insane experience. I'm really excited for this whole week. Uh, just curious how the, the whole thing's going to go. But, uh, I mean, obviously they're taking it serious. They're building this whole arena for the event and everything. And then they turn around and tear it down. So, I mean, uh, I don't know. It, it's still uh, surreal and kind of a ridiculous situation that they're, that they're doing for the fights over there. But, uh, so, yeah, I'm just I'm really excited to see how the whole week goes. And you mentioned that, you know, you've been overseas a whole bunch of times for fights. You're, you're used to sort of being the away fighter here. Is there anything you have to do extra to get ready for, for fight week when it's halfway across the world? Uh, it, it just depends. So, like, I'm going to go a few weeks earlier. I mean, not a few, a few days earlier than normal just to kind of help, uh, you know, help help get set on the, uh, the time difference and stuff like that. That's just kind of, you know, just you got to look at the uh, – you know, every, everything's going to be different. You know, are you are you fighting at elevation? Are you fighting, you know, at a completely different time zone and stuff? So uh, the time change for this one's the biggest deal. So I'm just going to go a few days early. Nothing too crazy. It's about a week before the fight and just kind of make sure I get acclimated and, uh, you know, adjusted and be ready to go. Makes a lot of sense. Now, you're fighting Omari Akhmedov. Uh, he's going to obviously have a little bit of a home field advantage here. You know, he lives a little bit closer being from Russia originally. Uh, he's a Muslim fighting in Abu Dhabi. Uh, how do you feel that the crowd is going to react to you as, as sort of the, you know, the bad guy in this fight? I don't care. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I, like I said, I've, I've traveled a lot. I've fought, you know, I've fought a lot of hometown guys. I've been, you know, the bad guy or whatever I had to, whatever I had to be, um, you know, when it, when it comes down to it, when I'm in the cage fighting, you know, I hear my coaches, I hear my corner, and uh, and that's about it. I mean, like, I, the whatever the crowd does, says, booze, chants, whatever, like, really doesn't, uh, really doesn't affect, you know, what I'm going to do in there. So, uh, I mean, I figure if I go in there, put on a good show, uh, be an exciting uh, competitor and stuff, I'm going to win the fans over, you know, win, win, lose, draw, whatever happens. Uh, so that's, yeah, I mean, that's the goal. I go in there and try to finish fights and, and be exciting. So, uh, I'm, I'm sure, you know, they might start off against me, but, uh, I'm sure I'll win some fans over. And, and now he's got a, a combat Sambo background. He, he's obviously a pretty good grappler. You've got some really impressive grappling chops as well. You've got tons of submissions in your, your UFC and your MMA career. Do you see this one taking place as largely a grappling match or are you looking to hurt him on the feet? Uh, it doesn't change. Goes like every one of my fights. So uh, I'm gonna stand up striking, and uh, you know if they can, if they can hold up to the power that I that I have uh, with my with the strikes, and you know want to keep striking, I'm fine with that. Uh, you know both of us are decent wrestlers, and you know I have a feeling he's gonna try to take me down. That's when most people get in trouble. Uh, you know if I, if I end up start touching touching up a little bit and uh and people kind of feel the power they, they want to start looking for takedowns and whenever i could start uh forcing kind of force takedowns or unset up that take you know takedown attempts that's when i'm really good at uh at finishing my submission so uh we'll see i mean i he's definitely going to come forward and strike he's going to try to take my head off he comes with all power um you know i don't know i think this could be a very exciting uh, very well-rounded MMA fight. It's, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be some striking. I think there's going to be some wrestling, some grappling. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it can go everywhere. You know, you don't really know. He's a good wrestler. I'm a good wrestler. We both have power. Uh, 
I don't know. I just feel like I have a lot more finishing tools than he does, but uh, I'm definitely ready for a well-versed <laughs> fight that can go absolutely anywhere. Well, we're looking forward to it, too. Now, obviously, if you pick up the big win here, the rankings might not be that far out of the question. You'll be 3-0 and in the division with some pretty decent wins. Is that something that you pay attention to, especially at this stage of your career? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. I, I want I want bigger fights. I want bigger ranked guys. Um, you know, I mean, that's the thing. This is, and I just turned 35. I don't know how much longer I have to go in the sport. So, uh, it, everything kind of counts now. You know, it's, uh, you know, before it was kind of, you know, happy to be here. Let's just, you know, kind of go through the motions and everything. And, uh, I mean, I still had, you know, goals I want to do, but every, I don't know, kind of seeing the, uh, I don't know, light at the end of the tunnel right now. Um, everything's a little more serious, you know. The, the, stakes, the stakes are higher. Losses are going to you know, stack a little bit more and stuff. So uh, if I go in, do what I should do, and, uh, and get past Amari, uh, yeah, looking at 3-0, and I mean, I'm going to be looking for, you know, some, some top-ranked guys and get past them and, you know, see, see what we can do in this division. Well, we'll be looking forward to all that. Once again, this is Zach coming to fight Omari Akhmedov at UFC 242 in Abu Dhabi. Zach, thanks so much for the time, man. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. This is Daniel Gumby Freeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today, I have the pleasure of speaking to Carlos Diego Fajera, who fights Omari Akhmedov at UFC 242 in Abu Dhabi. So, Carlos, I want to start by talking about your win streak, because right now you're on a win streak of four fights. Uh, it's certainly impressive. Are you sort of surprised at the the offering of Maribek Tysimov as an opponent instead of a ranked opponent? Um, no, I'm not surprised. Uh, I know this is uh, one more uh, uh, one more opponent I can get to the, the to the top. You know, it's a. Uh, uh, I know after this one, I probably can get on one I rank uh, another person ranking and I'm excited that, and just getting this away it's much more better just to get more introduced to the toughness uh the tough people on the division you know and uh tough mother it's one the really tough tough guy right now absolutely and do you think it was just because it was only four fights because you said you weren't expecting a, a ranked opponent do you think it was just four fights or do you think there was an, another reason why you you weren't getting the ranked opponent I think um, I think it's just one more fight. I, I really don't know how the rank works right now, but I uh, I was not expect to get already one rank uh, uh, opening. But uh, I, I'm satisfied with what I have right now, and now it's it is real good for me, you know. And I, uh, he coming like he have more wins, streak wins more than me, and, and I know this is just the beginning. Absolutely. And and this is sort of a fun fight, too. I, I'm kind of curious, with it being all the way in Abu Dhabi, when the UFC came to you with this offer, what were your initial thoughts about fighting in Abu Dhabi? Uh, well, we fought in Abu Dhabi before, but I fought Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu now, and uh, it's a really awesome country, and, and uh, I'm excited to get back in again, and then uh, especially fighting for MMA, you know, it's, it's, it's much of incredible to to be there fighting for MA and then jiu-jitsu. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited, you know. When you're talking about the difference between jiu-jitsu and Abu Dhabi in, in MMA and Abu Dhabi, do you think there's a big difference or do they just appreciate uh, combat sports in general? 
I think they appreciate combat sport in general. You know, I, what I see, they, they, the the countries, uh, it's involves, it's super involved with mixed martial arts and total, you know, and and it, it bring, it's really impressed to see all all the school have a Brazilian jiu-jitsu and the 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 the, the gyms having MMA too. It, it, uh, practically like a win in Brazil, you know, but uh, it's really it's. It's really nice to see that. I like it. Absolutely. Now, let's talk about the fight itself, too, because obviously, uh, uh, Mirabek Tysimov, he's got sort of that, that Sambo wrestling style that you come to expect from a Russian fighter. How, how do you think your style plays off of that? Oh, uh, I think we, we match up because we. He, I think he, he likes to throw really hard hands. And, you know, I'm the type one, like, more boxer, you know, like to 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 really try our our new styles, you know, doesn't matter if we go to the ground and if I go to, on my back or he goes to his wrestling top, you know, I think we both in comfortable and then I think this fight is gonna go more than stand, you know. I feel like uh uh our our matchup is pretty good, you know. Doesn't matter where we go, we gotta handle uh, a really great fight. So I'm actually interested. So you said you expect to throw hands with this guy you know, your third degree black belt in jujitsu, is that what you prefer? Do you do you prefer to throw hands now? I think so. I, I prefer to go go like to do a stand up, you know, like I really I got uncomfortable every single time. I know he's a right rank, you know, uh uh a uh, fighter like an especially white tie. But I still wanna try, you know. If if something go wrong we can go to the ground and <laughs> It's it's simple as that, but I, I like I like to be in stand in stand up, you know, boxing or uh, Muay Thai. You know, I, I I'm not scared and I, I like to throw down for sure. Awesome, that certainly sounds awesome. Now I have to ask too, with you know, you're training in Texas at, at Fortis MMA. You're going to be traveling halfway across the world for this fight in just a couple of short days. Have you done any preparation for for what that's going to be like? I mean, obviously the sleep schedule is different. You got to deal with jet lag. Um, what are you doing to get ready for that? Uh, no, I don't. I, I keep my train the same. You know, I, we always train uh, on the early mornings. You know, and and that's how I probably gonna feel the same thing like when I did I, I fought in Prague. You know, we have to change a little bit, but uh, uh, we really don't. We keep it the same, uh, 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 same amount of time we've been training. And I don't feel anything. I just feel more comfortable now. And I, I, I always feel happy to, to be on, uh, on Octagon. And, and no, I don't feel, just feel incredible to be there and uh, enjoying that time inside the cage. Absolutely. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Now, we're going to wrap up this interview here real quick. Obviously, if you get it done with your hands, just like you want to this weekend, you said you're expecting a ranked opponent. Do you get a name that you're interested in fighting after Tysimov? No, really, right now. Really, uh, right now, I want to take care of this one. And I probably, the day of the fight, I'm probably going to have somebody. I, really, I, I know that's one of my main things my coach has been telling me, like, you have to call somebody to be a more uh, uh, excited fighter. And I think I'm going to have somebody after this fight. Probably I already have somebody in mind. But right now, not really. 
All right, well, there you have it. We're looking forward to the fight. This is Carlos Diego Fajera, who fights Marabek Tysonwoff at UFC 242 in Abu Dhabi. Carlos, thank you so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. And those interviews with Zach Cummins and Carlos Diego Fajeda are brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E, Maroon Social is the one and only social media app to track your martial arts progress. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter if you're doing jiu-jitsu, judo, boxing, kickboxing, sambo, whatever martial art you train. Maybe you train Wing Chun. No matter what martial arts you train, Maroon is the best way to track your progress. Here's how it works. You're going to go to whatever app store you use. You're going to download the Maroon Social app. Once you have it, you set up your profile with where you train, what martial arts you train, and your name. You can also add things like your belt level and your weight. It's super customizable. In addition to that, then you can start logging your training sessions where you can remember what it is you train. You can make some notes. You can remember what time you trained. And it helps you remember how many times a month, how many times a week you're training. It gives you updates to let you know if you're training more or less. It's a great way to stay on top of yourself and make sure you're reaching your goals. Check them out. It's Maroon Social. Uh, once again, I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave, Dave Tremonte. Dave, I- I'm going to be honest. I think people are sleeping on Zach Cummins as a real threat at middleweight. What say you? I'm going to be honest, Gumby. Until you told me that we had booked him for the show and said, you got to look up his record. I was not woke to Zach Cummings, the threat. But you know what? He is a threat in this division. And I think in modern-day UFC with a deep roster, you know, 500 fighters on the roster, you get some of these guys who maybe you see them early on and they go 2-2 two and two or 3-3 three and three or whatever the case may be when he was in the welterweight division, but he had losses to very top-level guys. Uh, and you have to really dive deeper now. You know, the same 2006 where there are like 10 people in a division. Uh, Zach Cummins is a guy that he's kind of a dark horse within the UFC and now I think in the right division of middleweight yeah and and I think you you hit the nail on the head right like if you take a couple of losses early on in your career especially in a division like welterweight which is so freaking deep right like there are guys who are not in the rankings like freaking Jeff Neal who is an absolute killer you know it's hard to sort of get noticed ever again but here he is with sort of a fresh take he you know he mentioned being at the tail end of his career you know like this is a great time for him to make a run and, and really make waves at a division like like you said he probably should have been in for a while you know i think we've talked about this on the show and i certainly hope the listeners appreciate this kind of nuanced discussion but i think there's something to be said for when you take a submission loss early that I never get as worried about. Okay, you got rear naked chokes by Gunnar Nelson in 2014. Hey, it fucking happens. I mean, Gunnar Nelson is as good a grappler as you're going to get in the UFC short of Damian Maya. Um, but that being said, you can work on your sub defense, as I'm sure Cummings has in his past, you know, five years since that loss. Whereas if you lose via knockout on the chin and go flatlined early in your career, maybe like an Aaron Pico situation, you're going to worry about that more than you would a submission loss. Do you agree? Yeah, I think that that's actually kind of a point I hadn't even really thought of. Yeah, if you look at Zach Cummins' record, you're right. That early loss is is that way. He's never been knocked out in his whole life. You know, like he's, he's, Amazing. Got, he's got six career losses. Two of them are by submission. Um, and that means that he went toe-to-toe with Santiago Ponzinibbio for 15 minutes. That means he went toe-to-toe with Michelle Prezerish 
for 15 minutes in a split decision, I might add, too. You know, like, he, he went toe-to-toe with Ryan Himo at freaking light heavyweight for 15 minutes and <laughs> still never got knocked out. He went toe-to-toe with, you, do you know who his other, lo- his other submission loss is? To freaking Tim Kennedy Tim back in strike Kennedy, force. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's another guy he went toe-to-toe with at middleweight for that long and, and he's never been knocked out. And to me, that's just really impressive and shows a lot about his style and, and probably shows a lot about, you know, he, he is a little bit of an older guy now, but a lot about his potential in this division. Well, you mention uh, potential and you mention his uh, ability. Well, I got some ability and some potential in this breakdown we're about to do. For UFC 242, maybe not my smoothest transition of all time, but Gumby, let's do a UFC 242 breakdown. I do wonder, though, does any fine company sponsor said breakdown? Absolutely. The UFC 242 breakdown is brought to you by ADK Fightwear. Go to ADKFightwear.com. Make sure you use promo code TURTLE, T-U-R-T-L-E, all lowercase. You're going to get 20% off some high-quality jiu-jitsu gear, which means that you can get a rash guard, a very high-quality strong never fades rash guard for just 20 bucks and i'll tell you what there's nowhere on the internet where you're going to find rash guards that cheap make sure to check out their geese spat sweatshirts and all of their other gear too adkfightwear.com you're a dummy if you don't go to adkfightwear and enter in that promo code because i'll tell you they got these ranked rash guards and they are a thing of beauty if i do say so myself i also have to tell you i have the union suit competition shorts myself and they fit like a glove they're very durable. Go to ADK Fightwear. Enter in that promo code, and you will thank us later. All right, there's no better place to start at UC 242 than the main event. Uh, I am very excited for this fight. I'm very excited to break this down with you right now. We have in the main event, Habib Nurmagomedov. He's never lost. Not sure if you know that. He's a minus 450 favorite. I'll repeat that. A minus 450 favorite taking on Dustin Poirier, who's coming off a very impressive win over Max Holloway, uh, also beating Eddie Alvarez, Justin Gaethje, Anthony Pettis, Jim Miller on that way. Um, so he's really coming into his own is Dustin Poirier. Who do you have in this fight, Gumby? You know, I, I have Habib Nurmagomedov, which I, I think is not a surprise to anybody. But also, I think, and this is going to sound mean to Dustin Poirier's chances, but I, I, I think negative 450 isn't high enough. You know, Poirier... <laughs> Poirier has a, a has a you know a great chin. Poirier went in there and stood toe to toe with Max Holloway. But when you look at how he dealt with Max Holloway, did he deal with Max Holloway by being the guy who like you know had more in his gas tank than Max Holloway? Not really. They they went out there and they had similar levels of output, similar gas tanks, and Poirier hit harder. He's gonna be in a fight with a guy who has a better gas tank than Max Holloway, who has a better gas tank than him, and who has a completely different skill set than him, too, right? Like, he's not going to stand in front of him and bang with him for 25 minutes so that he can show off his power or he can show off his gas tank that way. He's going to take him into deep waters, just like Habib always does. He's taken every fighter he's fought so far into deep waters. And, and the question then becomes, can Dustin Poirier defend the takedowns, or can Dustin Poirier somehow sub him in, in a... Uh, transition game and, and I like Poirier's grappling game you know he's got a mounted triangle and a Dars choke on his record but I don't like him to submit Habib Nurmagomedov and I don't like him to stop the takedowns and for that reason I, I just can't draw a path to victory for Dustin Poirier other than landing a big shot and for me at negative 450 if, if you're you know big volume better 
this screams bet on Habib or Magomedov to me. So the answer is obviously Habib. I, I could not in good faith sit here and advise anyone to go, you know, against Habib because we've never seen him lose. And I don't necessarily get that, you know, feeling that Dustin Poirier is that guy. Here's what I'll say, though, for a path to victory. Uh, now, I do want to clarify two things. You say that Habib has a better gas tank than Poirier. I actually would disagree with that. I probably think Poirier has a better gas tank, but I just want to clarify. I think what you're saying is Habib's going to wear him down so much with the wrestling, it kind of negates that. But, I mean, if they were just standing for five rounds, Poirier probably has the better gas tank. No. Correct. I, I definitely agree with you that, that Poirier, if we're going to play Poirier's game, it is right. He, he's going to have the better gas tank, but Poirier does not have the better gas tank when he's being pressed against the cage. And, and that's yeah, mu- yeah, right. Not that Connor has a good gas tank because he doesn't. You know, he tires very clearly. Any waste I mean, energy. That, yeah, any waste energy, and that's kind of the you know the gift and the curse of having like a powerful left, especially when he was at one forty five and a little bigger. I've heard Faraz Zahabi break this down, and I couldn't agree with it more. The gift and the curse of that power, he also would t- tucker out, you know, by rounds three and four. Uh, and you certainly saw that even in the Chad Mendez fight. I mean, he was, and again, I know he had the knee injury, but he was not having fun in that second round. And luckily he had the big shot there, but maybe if that made it to the third round or made it into the fourth round, the big shot might not have been there. So my point in saying this is Connor, while I'm not saying as a great gas tank either, you also saw with him how fatigued he got after, you know, by round three, defending those takedowns, it's time to just, you want to go home and cry yourself to sleep at that point. Now, we saw someone with tremendous jiu-jitsu defense uh, in Ally Quinta have a very good fourth round against Habib. Um, and I think people always go back to that. And you think to yourself, can someone have that similar round that Ayakinta had but land more? I, you know, I don't think it's crazy to say that if Poirier stuffed a couple of takedowns and we all know that fights always end up back on their feet, Habib will tire himself and you never know what's happening with these international flights. And I know it's kind of on Habib's somewhat home soil, so to speak. Um, not really, but you know what I mean? Uh, you just never know. I mean, this is a guy who's had trouble making 155. It's not crazy to me this is a guy who went toe-to-toe with justin gaethje he's been in wars you know eddie alvarez i'm talking about dustin poirier right now in the fifth round if habib's tired and poirier isn't eh, maybe probably not likely yeah i I just don't think he's gonna stuff enough takedowns and be on the feet long enough so that his gas tank will be there in the fifth and i get that i guess guess you're right that if you're drawing the path to victory and playing the devil's advocate I think you drew the right game plan, but at the same time, I I, I don't see it. I, no, agreed. And I'll tell you something else. One other, again, I'm just trying to talk myself into an underdog bet on Poirier. And we know that, you know, it's – look, Habib is going to win. I'm not saying he's not, but we've seen great people fall eventually. Um, I will say I have supreme faith in Mike Brown uh, and all the coaches mm-hmm. down there at ATT. They understand what they're going in against into the lion's den. And, you know, I, and that's not to say that um, John Kavanaugh isn't just as smart a coach as, as Mike Brown and, and Dean Thomas, but I don't know. I just, you know, I, I definitely have faith in those guys too, to maybe pull out a trick that we're not even thinking of. Um, all right. 
I think we've done a good job on the main event. Let's go to another very exciting fight. Uh, Edson Barbosa, he's coming off a loss to Justin Gaethje, no shame in that. He's going to be taking on Paul Felder, who's really been more of an announcer more than anything as of recently, but he is coming off a unanimous decision win over James Vick, a loss to Mike Perry before that. Uh, If you're the gambling type, Edson Barbosa is a minus 155 favorite. Felder, the plus 140 dog, so they're actually pretty close when you think about it, but what do you think, Gumby? Uh, So I I first want to point out, too, that it's something I didn't realize when I was doing research on this fight. Did you know that this fight already happened? Uh, Wow, that actually... Paul Felder lost to Edson Barboza back in 2015 at Dillashaw versus Barrow 2. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. That took place in Chicago, right? I, I believe on so. Fox. Yeah, it was on Fox. Yep. So you know, like it, it, that's long enough ago that maybe we don't put too much stock in it. But I, I think it's still like Edson Barboza here, and and for a couple of reasons, like Edson's Barboza striking game seems to be a little bit ahead of where Paul Felder is. You know, like his leg kicks are, are more dynamic. He's definitely going to take Felder's legs out from underneath him early. The other thing too is, uh, you know, while, while Felder is always billed at this striker, I, I really think he does himself a disservice by not wrestling more. Cause he actually does have a pretty damn good wrestling game. And if he went into this fight against Barboza, a guy who is notably had difficulty with, with somebody giving him tons of top pressure and tons of takedown attempts, I think it'd probably open up the striking for Felder in addition to him possibly winning some rounds by taking it to the mat. The problem is, is I just don't see him using that game plan. Like he shoots takedowns so infrequently because he trusts his hands. He he sees himself as this kickboxer. Uh, and, and I just don't see him winning a kickboxing match with, with Edson Barboza. Yeah. I mean, I think you're on it. I do think, I think, I think we're in line for a fun fight no matter what, um, almost like a video game S fight. And sometimes I feel like with those like style fighters, these dynamic guys who have, you know, spinny things in their arsenal, both of the kick and elbow and punch variety, you just never know. Um, I'm with, it's almost kind of like Habib and Poirier. Yeah, it's Barbosa, but I see a path for, for Felder as well, and it's in some sort of wild exchange. But on paper, yeah, it's it's Barbosa. That's exactly what you said. Yeah, and and I, um, I I agree with you too that there's some path in a wild exchange. But it's it's not like Barbosa is extremely easy to knock out too. If you look at the people who have been able to put him away, a lot of it has been on the ground. And if it hasn't been on the ground, it's been Justin Gaethje. Uh, so like <laughs> you know, right. you know, call a spade a spade. Uh, let's call Islam Makichev a minus 325 favorite, taking on Davi Ramos, a plus 265 dog. What do you got here? So, uh, part of me wants to take Davi Ramos because, you know, who doesn't want to root for, you know, an Abu Dhabi champion, right? He won 77 kilograms at Abu Dhabi back in 2015. In the division, I had Gilbert Burns, who is also, you know, made a name for himself in MMA. Like, Davi Ramos is a guy who I want to root for all the time. I mean, hell, he, since getting to the UFC, you know, he took a short notice fight at welterweight to start. He's 4-0 since then with three rear naked chokes. Like, he's a fun dude to watch. But, like, is, Islam Makiev is, is just, like, such a tough wrestler. He, he's like a, you know, like a, 
uh, I don't want to, this is sort of mean to just say this about a ton of Russians, but he's like a layman's Habib, right? Like he's, mm. he's got a little bit more fun striking, but, but the takedown threat is there all the time and he's safe on top. That's the biggest important part is that like, he just doesn't get submitted on top. And if Davi Ramos can't get on top of him, I don't see Davi Ramos throwing like absolute bombs out there and knocking him out. Like he's got one knockout in his career and it came all the way back in 2013. So like, I don't see it happening again. So I think this is Makiev's fight to win. I'm not going to disagree with you there. Uh, this is a fun heavyweight fight. Curtis Blades, a minus 500 favorite, coming off a win over Justin Willis. Of course, lost to Francis Naganu in a rematch of theirs before that. But very impressive wins over Overeem and Hunt and Alexi Olenek, uh, preceding that Naganu loss. Rightfully so, he is the favorite. But, hey, uh, Shamil Abdurrahimov started out 2-2 two and two in the UFC. Don't blink. You might have missed it. This man is on a three-fight win streak, wins over Arlovsky, uh, finished Chase Sherman, finished Marcin Tybura. The win over Arlovsky was a unanimous decision. But, hey, three-fight win streak, nothing to sneeze at. If you want to take him as a dog, he's a plus 400. Who you got? So if you put a gun to my head right before this fight and told me that I had to pick the winner or else I'd die, I'm probably taking Curtis Blades here. And, and you know, he's a negative 500 favorite. I'd almost be silly not to pick him gun to my head. With that being said, the value on Shamil Abdurkahimov is crazy at plus 400. Like, 4-1 to one money on Shamil Abdurkahimov is kind of a lot. You know, you mentioned the three-fight win streak after the loss to Derek Lewis. I don't know if you remember that loss to Derek Lewis, which headlined a UFC Albany card in Albany, <laughs> New York. Uh, that fight, Abdurkahimov, I had winning rounds 1, 2, and 3 against Derek Lewis. Going into the fourth right. round, I saw Derek Lewis needed to finish the fight, and it was only after he got his very first takedown of the fight and trapped a Derek Ahimov up against the cage that he landed enough ground and pound to take him out. Shamil was going to have to survive 10 minutes with, with you know, Derek Lewis, and we're talking about a guy who would be on a six-fight win streak at heavyweight if that was the case, including wins over Walt Harris. You know, if he had pulled that off against Derek Lewis, Andre Arlovsky, Marjean Tabura, like, th- that is a crazy resume if he's able to win that one. Now, the fact that it broke up his six-fight win streak pretty much right in the middle, you know, is somewhat damaging to, to how we're viewing him right now. But at plus 400, I really think we ought to be giving him a little bit more credit. The dude's got leg kicks. The dude's got some grappling. Does he have as much as Curtis plays? Maybe not, but for, for plus 400, I'm willing to take a little stab at it. So well said. Was that the fight? Because I do semi-recall the uh, Albany card that they headlined. Was that the one where Derek Lewis said like he had to take a shit, so he just started slow? Yeah, or, he said yeah, something. He had, he had to take a doo-doo, I'm pretty sure, with the exact words. Uh, <laughs> He's a funny guy. And that's, no, so, that's also a fight card, too. Be- I'm just going to throw it up to UFC Albany for a second, because I was there at that fight card. The co-main event involved a Kimura win for Francis Naganu. Uh, which I think a lot of people forgot about. Um, no, very true, though. It's still a great point, though, that he was beating Derek Lewis, and then there was sort of a Hail Mary uh, finish from the Black Beast. So very interesting fight there. Good value at plus 400. All right, last fight we're going to break down, and we're very excited for this card. You should be following us on Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA. Uh, during the show, we'll, of course, 
have some uh, insight, some previews, some levity, some just a bit of everything. Follow the show at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter, uh, and uh, we'll be tweeting during this pay-per-view. Let's get to the last fight we're going to break down, though. Uh, Angela KGB Lee, a minus 225 favorite, taking on Joanne Calderwood, a favorite of this show. Uh, KGB Lee's coming off a unanimous decision win over Montana De La Rosa, wins over Ashley, uh, Ashley Evan Smith and Veronica Mercado before that. Joanne Calderwood coming off a loss to Caitlin Chikagian via unanimous, unanimous decision, but she had two wins uh, prior to that, a triangle choke win over Kalindra Faria, and then she beat Ariana Lipsky uh, back in January of this year. Who you got here, Gumby? So uh, this one's tough because I, I want to pick Joanne Calderwood because I've been so impressed by what she's done at Syndicate MMA. Uh, I like what her ground game looks like now. I, I kind of want to lean Andrea Lee here because Andrea Lee is the type of fighter who's been really tough on her feet. Uh, she's been really hard to get down, like Montana De La Rosa, who, you know, is pretty much a pure grappler at this point at flyweight. Uh, you know, I, I, I think she was able to stuff her all the time, but I think that might have been because she was a pure grappler. So I've gone back and back in my head on this one, uh, and I think that, you know, if Calderwood can mix in one or two takedowns, enough to keep Andrea Lee guessing, I think she can win this fight, but I think I'm going to lean Andrea Lee because I, I don't know that she gets that takedown early enough to keep Lee guessing. All right. That wraps up our breakdown. We hope you enjoyed it. Here's the last question to all of this, Gumby. UFC 242 is centered around Habib versus Dustin Poirier. Maybe not the 150-pound 155-pound title fight we thought we would get at the beginning of this year as we were planning out what the year might look like. Let's just say Habib wins. Do we, go on record now, finally get Habib versus Tony? So I just heard a, a little tidbit here, too, in the news before we started taping that Ooh, Tony, will, Tony will actually be in Abu Dhabi and on weight should one of the two uh, fall ill or, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe not wait, make wait. So could you imagine, just 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 listen with me here for just a quick second. Could you imagine after all of those failed Tony Habib fights, we could get a one-day hype up to that and it could just be happening <laughs> the day before, which, is, <laughs> which would be so ironic and so perfect. No, but in all seriousness, you know, if this fight does go as we sort of expect it to, I do expect this is the fight you absolutely have to make, right? Like Tony Ferguson versus Habib Nurmagomedov is just one of those fights that whether it's the fight you're most excited about or you're sick about everything, like this is the one that needs to be made. And I think Danny even knows that. So yeah, I, I think it gets made. How about you? Yeah, I, I'm totally with you. I think fifth time's a charm here. It has to happen. It just can't not happen. Um, or something's very wrong with this MMA universe that we're living in. I love that they're sending Tony to the fight, and he's on weight and healthy. I always think the UFC should do that for these types of high-profile fights, especially with someone like Habib, who's had problems making weight. We've had day before cancellation. So I actually kind of could see it going the other way, where it's Tony versus Poirier. But regardless, you know, it's got to happen. I think it will happen. I could see it in December, Tony versus Habib. Uh, provided that Habib comes out of this fight pretty unscathed. But I will tell you, 
you sent shivers down my spine just the <laughs> thought of Habib versus Tony on one day's notice. That would feel like, you know, when the iPhone starts flashing, those tornado warnings or like flood warning, and you hear that alert. I would want the same thing to happen, uh, like national news, but, you know, that probably won't be how it goes down. Anyway, that wraps up the show. Gumby, any house cleaning that we need to do here before we uh, hit the road? Well, of course, we just got a couple of things. I want to give our regular thank yous to our sponsors, Rampage Coffee. Once again, our great new sponsor, Rampage Coffee. Make sure to use promo code TURTLE20 when picking up some fresh coffee over at rampagecoffee.com. ADK Fightwear, and of course, Maroon Social. Make sure you download the Maroon Social app. I also want to thank Flow Combat for having us on each and every week. We could not do what we do without their help. We want to remind you to check us out on Twitter at Top Turtle MMA. We've got cool prizes, giveaways, all kinds of cool things going on over there. So make sure you follow us each and every week. Speaking every every week, I'm David Gumby Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we will see you next week.